It's Thursday, May 30th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into what's happening in Israel. The country's parliament dissolved last night, and they're going to hold do-over elections in the fall. We'll connect the dots on why this is a huge deal and what it means for peace in the Middle East. Then, several women say they face discrimination at the FBI training academy in Quantico. We'll give you the details. And finally, it's the last night of the National Spelling Bee. And we have some fun facts. F-A-C-T-S. Facts. We're here to make your Thursday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. The most complicated story today is about Israel and a do-over election. So here's what happened. Last month, voters cast their ballots for Israel's 120-member parliament. By all accounts, the winner was the sitting prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. The night of the election, he said, I feel excited tonight. This is a night of tremendous victory. Tremendous. Netanyahu's party, the right-wing Likud party, didn't actually get a majority of the seats. But he had enough support from other right-wing parties that everyone figured he'd be able to create a coalition majority in parliament. So Israel's president gave Netanyahu the go-ahead. He had 28 days, plus a possible two-week extension, to get other parties to link arms with him and his party and form a government. But that didn't happen. Netanyahu asked for that extension. That was up Wednesday at midnight, local time. And now, Israel's parliament has been dissolved. And there's a do-over election tentatively scheduled for this September. To be clear, this has never happened before in the history of the country, since Israel was formed in 1948. We're going to get into what caused this sudden breakdown, what happens next, and what it means for a major project the U.S. is working on, peace in the Middle East. Okay, so first, what went wrong here? Like we said, since the election, Netanyahu was hoping to build a coalition of right-wing parties. He was turning, in part, to two groups, ultra-Orthodox religious lawmakers on the one hand and ultra-nationalist and secular lawmakers on the other. But over the last month, those lawmakers have butted heads over one major issue, Israel's mandatory military service. See, all Jewish Israelis over the age of 18 are required to serve in the military. Everybody, men and women. But there are some exceptions, including for a group of ultra-Orthodox students who are studying the Torah at a seminary. That's been a point of contention among some people for a while, especially secular Jews. But it's come up again recently. Israel's Supreme Court said in 2017 that the exemptions aren't constitutional and has asked Parliament to come up with a regulation that passes the court's muster. Right-wing lawmakers are on both sides. The ultra-Orthodox want to keep some sort of exemption, but a very small but powerful group of secular ultra-nationalists want to restrict it. They're being led by Netanyahu's former defense minister, a guy named Avigdor Lieberman. And both of those groups refused to join Netanyahu's government unless he sided with them. We're not talking about a lot of representatives in total, but Netanyahu needed every last one of those lawmakers on his side to tip the scales and get a government together. Classic rock-in-a-hard-place situation. So what happens now? Once the deadline passed, Israel's president could have appointed someone else besides Netanyahu to try to form a government. Netanyahu was like, yeah, no, 
he got Parliament to vote to dissolve instead. That triggered a brand new do-over election, which is now tentatively scheduled for September 17, which means Israel probably won't have a functioning government until November. But like we said, this has never happened before. So there's a lot up in the air here. Parliament is technically still around, but it can't pass any major legislation. Netanyahu is still the interim prime minister until the September election. In July, he'll be the longest serving prime minister in Israeli history. But dissolving parliament isn't a fix-all for Netanyahu. Right now, he's facing potential bribery and fraud charges from Israel's attorney general. There's a pre-trial hearing scheduled for October. Before parliament dissolved, Netanyahu supporters planned to pass a bill giving him immunity from prosecution while in office. Now, parliament can't pass that, or anything. So Netanyahu could have some big legal problems ahead. And this political chaos has bigger implications for things like the White House's Middle East peace plan. President Trump's senior advisor and son-in-law Jared Kushner has been working on a peace plan for over a year. The White House said they would release the plan in February but they decided to put it off until after the Israeli elections to give Netanyahu some breathing room while he ran a difficult campaign. And so now the White House is all systems go and getting ready to reveal parts of the plan at a conference in Bahrain in June. Kushner's on a multi-nation tour of the Middle East right now, rallying support. Today, his stop was Israel to meet with Netanyahu the day after Israel's parliament dissolved itself. So not exactly great timing. Netanyahu said, it's no big deal. Even though we had a little event last night, uh, that's not going to stop us. We're going to continue working together. So what's the skim? The Trump administration has been counting on Netanyahu's support for its peace plan, especially since the Palestinians are already saying they aren't on board. Palestinian officials are planning to boycott the upcoming conference in Bahrain. But Netanyahu's going to be busy running a re-election campaign on top of facing potential corruption charges. So finding real time on his calendar is going to be hard. In terms of parliament, it's unclear if a redo election will change the makeup that much. Some parties might be running new candidates. According to Israeli opinion polls out today, Netanyahu wouldn't be able to form a government without a coalition. But that's today. Netanyahu's Likud party has until the fall to turn that around or turn over the keys. Back here in the U.S., women who've trained at the FBI say the Bureau is a boys' club. In the worst way. That's next. These days, hiring isn't as easy as putting an ad in the paper or posting on a job board. LinkedIn Jobs gets your job in front of the most relevant, qualified candidates, so you can focus on making a hire you're excited about. They consider things like collaboration, work ethic, and adaptability to find you someone who's not only qualified— but also matches your company's culture. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash skim this and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash skim this. Terms and conditions apply. The Me Too movement has arrived in Quantico. You may have heard of Quantico from the TV show. It's where actress Priyanka Chopra, a.k.a. Alex Parrish, trains as a new recruit with the FBI. So yesterday, 16 women, real-life Alex Parrish's, filed a class-action lawsuit against the FBI, alleging that between 2015 and 2018, 
The Bureau discriminated against them while they were training to become FBI agents at Quantico. Some of the women told NBC they faced a hostile work environment and sexual harassment. First day I got there, there were comments on what I was wearing, and sexual harassment started about two weeks in. Some of the women filed the lawsuit anonymously. They say they were afraid of retaliation if they used their names. One woman told NBC that's what happened to her when she complained to her unit chief, who was a woman. She looked me point blank in the eyes and said, you coming forward and speaking up will not go without consequence. I hope it was worth it. And from there on out, I was targeted, I was marginalized, I was isolated, I was harassed consistently. The lawsuit is against the FBI, but also specifically calls out two guys who were in charge, Mark Morgan, who used to oversee the training academy, and former FBI director James Comey. Yeah, the James Comey who got fired during the Russia investigation mess. Comey and Morgan haven't publicly responded to the lawsuit. Neither has the FBI. But the Bureau said in a statement they're, quote, committed to fostering a work environment where all of our employees are valued and respected. Last month, Attorney General Bill Barr said that he wants the Justice Department to investigate discrimination allegations. But this has been a long time coming. The FBI has always been a boys' club. Only about a fifth of the 13,500 FBI agents are women, and there are very few women in leadership positions. On average, women make up a third of the entering training class, but only a fifth of the graduating class at Quantico. The FBI says it's been trying to increase the number of women in the Bureau, but the women involved with the lawsuit say they know why those numbers are so low. It came down to what? at the end, whether you passed or whether you didn't pass. Your gender. 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 Well-being is a buzzword people like to throw around. But New Zealand is putting its money where its mouth is. New Zealand just became the first country to design their entire budget around well-being. It means that instead of just focusing on economic growth, their government is setting goals for improving mental health, reducing child poverty, and addressing domestic violence. About 27% of kids in New Zealand live in income poverty, and the country has high rates of domestic and sexual violence and suicide. The investment in mental health, about 1.24 billion US dollars, will go towards suicide prevention and addiction programs, but also to help people with anxiety and depression. 81,000 people will get access to free mental health care services. Here's New Zealand's Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. I absolutely believe this is going to make a difference because I've heard from people already where it has. Mental Health Awareness Month comes to an end tomorrow, but we've got a lot of info that will stay on the SKIM's website. Head on over to theskim.com slash livesmarter. Before we go today, we have some fun facts coming to you from the Scripps National Spelling Bee. B-E-E. B. Today is the final showdown. This year's B started out with 562 spellers, all 15 or under. That's the most ever. They come from all 50 states and a bunch of countries and territories. Ghana, South Korea, Japan, all over. But for real, the Indian Americans probably have this in the bag. They've won the B every year for the last decade, nailing winning words like Marocane, the German word Gesellschaft, and Koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. 
I N O N I A Koinonia. That is correct. Yeah, that one. From the Greek. The winner gets a set of reference books from Merriam Webster. Fun. And from Scripps, a trophy plus $50,000. Cash money. To catch the primetime final tonight, you can tune in to ESPN. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening. So we'd love to know what you think of the show. All you have to do is fill out a survey on our website and give us your thoughts. And as a treat to say thanks, you'll be automatically entered into a drawing to win a $100 gift card. You can find it at theskim.com slash feedback.